Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Heat Nation, welcome into Believe in Miami Heat. I'm your host, Joey Levin. Back, as always, for another week to discuss all things Miami Heat basketball. And it is about that time. The season is here. We don't have games yet, but we are six days away from the Miami Heat's first preseason game, December 14th, against New Orleans Pelicans at American Airlines Arena. I'm recording this on the 8th, so it's six days away. And then, of course, the first game of the regular season at the Amway Center in Orlando, December 23rd. Yeah, that's right. The Miami Heat are not playing on opening night. Your defending Eastern Conference champions are not playing on opening night, but we'll talk about that in a second. Training camp is in full swing. We're going to discuss some of my takeaways from the first few days of heat training camp. Getting pumped. I'm just, I'm so ready. Uh, seeing this team, seeing them back floor, watching these guys work out. It's exciting to see. It's exciting to know that less than a week from now, we're going to be watching NBA basketball. We're going to be watching the Heat against Zion Williamson. We're going to watch Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero versus Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball. I don't get excited for preseason games because exhibition games because, hey, you know, they don't really matter. But in a turnaround, in a shortened season, they actually matter, especially for a team like New Orleans with a new head coach, former Heat head coach, new head coach, Stan Van Gundy. They got to play. They got to get their together. Not like the Heat where we're bringing everybody back. That's just sort of a new team, new situation there. So they got to figure things out. So, hey, maybe preseason will be fun. So what I want to do today, I'm going to talk about some of the storylines, some of the my early takeaways, some of the things that I've seen that have come out and that I've heard from camp. And then I want to go through the Heat schedule because their full first half of the season, I want to sort of analyze it. It's really tough to go through the whole schedule and make predictions the way it normally is because it's not a normal season, but I'm going to talk about it anyways. Uh, just sort of go through my thoughts on the first half and how it breaks, how it shakes out for the Heat. Uh, but, you know, before I get all that, right, like I said, NBA season, it's officially back. December 22nd, is opening night. And look, you're might not going to, some of you can be there. Some of you can't, some arenas are allowing people. Some arenas aren't, but it doesn't matter whether you can go or you can't go because you can still be in on the action at bet online. And I've said the last few weeks, Oh, you could bet on this prop for the NBA or you can bet on that prop for the NBA. Oh no, it's not just props anymore. We got games, baby. You could bet on opening night games. You want to bet on the heat Christmas Versus the Pelicans, minus five as of right now. It might be a little bit bet on spreads for three weeks away. But if you want to do it, you can do it because the Heat game is up December 25th at home versus the New Orleans Pelicans. Heat are the favorites, as they should be. You want to bet opening night, Lakers-Clippers? Lakers minus one and a half? I like that. And I don't even, I don't even care... Actually, I do care. I, I, if LeBron doesn't, I think LeBron's going to play, but who knows? But either way, this is the sign that we're really back. We got games to bet on, NBA games to bet on at Bet Online, game spreads, totals, team player coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. 
There's always the online casino as well. I still use it. I still make money. I still play blackjack. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag. Sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So as I mentioned, you know, training camp has begun. And one of the one of the great things about teams being back, players being back, coaches being back, training camp being back is sound bites, baby. You know, we we get to hear these guys talk. Media, which some of them hate, some of them love, but we love it because we get to hear these guys. We get to see their faces with masks on. Uh, it's a it's so weird still seeing them having to do these press conferences through Zoom instead of the media being there. But either way, we get to hear from these guys and we get to hear their reactions and we get to hear how things are going at camp. So I pulled three or four clips over the past few days. It's Tuesday, December 8th. They've been practicing as a team since Sunday. They've been back in house as a team since last week. Uh, so I wanted to, you know, play a couple sound bites and react to them based on, you know, what I feel and what I've heard. So last week when I did my training camp preview, one of my biggest, if not the biggest thing that I wanted to see in training camp this year was how will the new guys fit? And the new guys being Mo Harkless, Avery Bradley, and Precious. And one of the questions that Eric Spolstra was asked yesterday was about how, you know, working specifically Avery Bradley and Mo Harkless into the Heat's rotation, how they fit, uh, how tough it's going to be on short notice to fit them into the system. And here's what uh, here's what the coach had to say. Yeah, I think they they've been in enough good systems and and good programs, playoff tested programs. Uh, that they're they're plug and play guys, really. Uh, I think they have enough experience uh, to be able to to fit in. And the way they play, they could fit in really in in anybody's system. Uh, they can play off the ball. They really impact the game uh, defensively. Uh, the versatility and speed and quickness, uh, I think, uh, that they both bring uh, to uh, the table uh, will just add uh, to the versatility. Uh, and some of the things that we're doing uh, in the bubble that you saw, uh, I think they'll just be able to, to highlight that uh, and hopefully take it to a, to a higher level. But we're, we're excited about them. We've been fans of both of them for, for a while. Avery, you know, since his draft workout with us, which was one of the more legendary workouts. Uh, and, and Mo, we've been, you know, just a, a, a fan of his. Um, and respected him as a competitor, you know, even when he was a young player in Orlando. So there's no no real nothing super shocking there. Uh, I think a lot of people knew this, particularly about Avery Bradley. Seen him play in, a, in different places, and he always has a positive impact everywhere he goes. And that's sort of what I anticipated hearing out of the coach early on about him. Uh, the other thing that you know I, I didn't get, I don't have the sound of it, but. He was Spolstra at one point over the weekend, over the last few days, spoke about Avery's intensity in practice and how it would, how it's going to rub off on Tyler Hero and Kendrick Nunn and the young guys in particular. 
which is something that I guess I didn't really discuss when talking about Avery Bradley because you always just talk about how much he is going to help the team defensively individually. But, you know, uh, and obviously Jay Crowder was a very good defensive player, but it's a different position. And obviously Jimmy's a really good defensive player, but Jimmy's, you know, the, the he's, um, you know, a little bit different position, three, two, three, and he's, you know, he's the, he's the guy, right? You bring in a guy like Avery Bradley who compete, who has to compete every day for his spot in most places because of his skill set, defensive minded, uh, off the ball guy, a little bit undersized. I think part of the thing that maybe he, you know, seeing the quote from Spolstra about it is can't underestimate the impact he's going to have in the development of the young guys from a defensive standpoint because. You know, coaches can only do so much and a system can only do so much and a, a culture can only do so much. A lot of times guys, especially young guys, take their cues from the vets that they play with. And as we've seen over his career and as I've heard, even when I was back in when I was a, a video guy for the Hornets and the Grizzlies, one of the things that everybody always heart, talked about with Avery Bradley was how how hard he played and how hard he worked and just that he was a grinder. So he not only does he fit the culture, but it'll be good to help develop the young guys. And as far as Mo Harkless goes, I've, I felt, you know, from the beginning when they got him to replace, to sort of replace Jay, it was an underrated signing. He's only 26 years old and he shot, you know, when he was with the Clippers last year, he shot 37% from three and, and Spolstra even spoke at one point over the last few days about Mo Harkless's shooting and said, that you know he's been a really good shooter and he's been shooting the ball well and that they think he's going to have a lot of open opportunities in this offense and on this team and they want him to feel comfortable shooting the ball. Um, so I, I think you know hearing the coach talk about these guys it just reinforces what I had already believed about them is that they're really good for the for the Heat culture and they're going to fit in immediately. Uh, and those were the only real concerns because when you not concerns, I guess, but when you look at this team, the one of the advantages that we've talked about over and over again, and, and, and Coach Spolstra sort of talked about how this training is less of a restart training camp and more of an extension of practice. Like they've only had what eight, nine weeks off. So it's almost like they're jumping right back into practice. And the main thing with these guys, like you said, changing terminology and, and all that, but fitting them in won't be hard because and they've been around and they've been on winning teams and they both fit the culture. So, you know, that's, you know, camp's not going to be long. They play in six days, uh, preseason at home. So it's good to hear that guys are already starting to fit in and, and, uh, you know, that they look good in, in practice. Now the other new guy obviously is, is, uh, precious. And Udonis hat, or excuse me, not Udonis. I will talk about Udonis, but uh, Bam was asked about Precious, and they were talking to Bam about how players watched him, have started to watch him, and that in college, Precious, his coaches, gave him tape on Bam to look at to study. And they asked him about what he saw, if he saw the similarities in Precious, and here's what Bam had to say about his first-round pick this year. 
uh, you know, he reminds me of myself when I was when I was at Kentucky. Um, but way more had way more leeway, and uh, you know, I feel like his rookie year gonna be better than mine. Yeah, you know, um, me being honest, uh, I feel like he has more skill than I did coming into my rookie year, and uh, it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to work with work with Precious and just just figure out what his mindset is and and what's his why and how he wants to go about his rookie year, and you know. Uh, if I do my fourth year, I'm kind of UD's kind of pushing me into that that leadership role. So, just figuring out how I can make him as comfortable as possible. I mean, <laughs> better, more skilled, uh, better rookie, gonna have a better rookie year. That seems, first of all, high praise. Not surprising, but I mean, if Bam is even remotely right about that, then you got to be, you know, it, it doesn't even, it doesn't just seem like a good fit for the team and they needed a big and all that. But if he's more skilled than Bam, who arguably in my mind right now is maybe the third most skilled five, maybe even second behind Jokic. I mean, a, a Anthony Davis is probably, depending on what skills you're looking at, I mean, Bam's probably a better passer. He's definitely a better scorer and shooter, but like, you know, just from a skill wise than that, it's hard to be more skilled than Bam. And obviously Bam's developed over the past couple of years, but to be more skilled than he was when he came in shows you that, you know, the upside is so real and he could end up being, I mean, it is, it could be scary. Those two together. Um, so I heard that that was one of the ones that I heard and I was like, man, he's going to play. And, and if he can develop, cause you know, there was a point in Bam's rookie year where he kind of, the switch sort of flipped and you saw it, what he could become pretty early or probably midway through the season. I'll be interested to see when that switch flips, if it does this year for precious. And if he's as good as Bam sort of is, season him and obviously with the heat seeing him at 20 it'll be interesting to see what point in this season that switch flips and how much of an impact it makes in year one on a team that needs another big energy rim protector rebounder defender at that position to go along with bam and myers leonard and kelly Olynyk. so i love hearing that out of bam i love hearing bam talk about ud and talking about ud making him become more of a leader because there's no better leader than UD, as we'll hear in a second. So all, all of that's great. You know, you, you love hearing that stuff from from Bam, who, man. And then when you hear this next clip from him, you're like, yeah, this guy is an abs- is a star. I mean, this what the the mindset and the mentality of Bam Adebayo is the mindset of a star, of a of a not just like an all star, but a franchise level star. So again, this was part of a part of the answer when they were talking about players around the league watching tape on him. One of the guys they mentioned was Rashawn Holmes out in Sacramento, saying he's watching him to learn about passing and this and that. And, and they asked him, you know, now being that kind of guy, what does it mean for you? And he, here's uh, what he had to say. And uh, you know, I feel like I'm trying to change basketball. You know, being a 
being a center, being being able to play both sides of the ball, and uh, being a pass as well as I can, you know, I feel like that's a that's a different make different maker on the team, especially at the center spot. So, just it, it's respect at all levels. Change the game. Uh, that's interesting. I, I'm. I, I, <laughs> it's interesting, you know, being able to. He said, "Change the game," and then said, "Be able to pass the ball from the center spot." I, I, I will say, I respect it, and I think Bam has a chance to be a top ten player in the NBA. I really do believe that. However, as much as I love Bam, and I do, I would argue that the best passing big man maybe ever in the history of the NBA already plays out in the Western Conference on Denver in Nikola Jokic. But um but yeah, but but Jokic can't do the other things Bam can do and and he he did say as a two-way player who can also pass the ball and has all that skill. Uh the god the ceiling is so high for him. And you hear just hearing him talk and hearing the way he interacts with his teammates and taking the leadership role and the way he's allowed the guys like Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo to take him under his wing, another, you know, the ceiling's so high for him. So the last clip I had that I wanted to play uh, is from Udonis Haslam. And a lot of people probably heard this already. But obviously during the offseason, a few weeks back, there were reports that some people and players or coaches or whoever around the league thought that Heat's run to the Eastern Conference Finals, excuse me, to the NBA Finals was a fluke. And the LeBron James is the, the people who say it was a fluke uh you know they should listen to LeBron the other day explaining why this championship was the hardest championship ever to win. And then when you take that into account, think about how hard it must have been for Miami to come together and make that run to the finals. You could say whatever you want about it being a fluke, but they just made it to the finals in one of the hardest situations in NBA history. But obviously, I don't have to convince you guys. You guys know it wasn't a fluke. But... The media asked, there was, they were asked, I know Jimmy Butler just responded to it. Duncan Robinson responded to it, but no one really responded to it better than Udonis Haslam. We don't listen to people that throw rocks and hide their hands. You know what that means? Throw rocks and hide your hands. That means you say something, you act like you ain't say it. Who said it? Tell us who said it. And we don't, if you don't tell us who said it, then we don't care. Some people, was it some of the people that we probably beat? Get their ass out of here. That's why we beat them. <laughs> we don't listen to people who throw rocks and hide their hands. Uh, that's going to turn into some type of my heat mantra this year. Uh, he's not wrong, but that's why that's why you pay. You give Udonis Haslam the the league minimum to be the highest paid assistant coach in the NBA because of that stuff. You, you can't you can't put a price on the leadership and just what he brings to the table for this organization. So it's great to have him back and it's great to see the heat back in training camp and just seeing this thing going. It is so exciting to have basketball so soon after last season ended. It does. I think because of the circumstances of just the world, it actually does seem like the finals were a really long time ago. 
They weren't that long ago. But it's good to have basketball back. It's good to have the heat back. There's one other, you know, there's one other storyline from this week before I start, before I just talk about the schedule a little bit. Uh, there's one other storyline from this week that sort of indirectly uh, relates to the heat because of who's involved. And so, you know, Jan- I, I, like I said, I'm recording this Tuesday, December 8th. The report came out today. James Harden is back in Houston that he has taken his tests, his COVID tests. So I guess that means he'll be back in, he will be in training camp, not back in training camp, but he'll be in training camp for the Rockets for the first time. But a lot of reports coming out, particularly today that Harden, if he doesn't get traded to the nets, that he's willing to get traded to Philly or other contenders. Some people saying that those other contenders, one of them is the heat. So, you know, lots of people discussing should the Heat do it? What would it take? Uh, how would it how would it fit? I, I'm generally speaking, and I, I said this a lot when we talked when I talked about the possibility of you know I talked about it with Jonathan Zaslow I think on here a little bit, and but you know the the possibility of trading for Giannis or waiting for you. I'm almost always on the side of get the most talented player at all costs. I'm all I'm 99% of the time I'm on that. There's something about the Harden situation that strikes me as I, I, I don't believe that the heat would do it. Uh, I've always been a really big James Harden fan. I mean, you can't deny what he's done as a scorer. Tyler Hero, I think, was asked about him, and he said he might be the best pure scorer at the guard position ever. Which it's it's not... It might sound crazy to say that because of the Kobe's and the MJ's, but it's not totally outlandish to say that he's up there. And just as a pure scorer. But... I think what what's happening right now in Houston, like I can't even imagine what Miami would do if a guy was just like, I'm not coming to training camp. It just seems so opposite of what everything we've, everything that became, when, you know, nationally talked about heat culture and, the 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 way Pat Riley runs things and the way Coach Spolster runs things and just so counterintuitive to everything that the Heat stand for organization to see this guy who is under contract for a couple more years just not show up to training camp as a, as a tactic to try to get traded. Uh, would he make the Heat better? From a from a purely offensive and scoring standpoint, sure, yes. But um, I, I first of all, it would be really hard to make the trade work. Tyler Hero would be gone, uh, and then you know you you just you'd have to really mix some pieces together to make the money work because he makes a ton of money. But then you then you also have to think like 
does he fit culturally? And now no one has ever claimed that James Harden was the most conditioned player. Although I think he gets banged on a little bit because he's not like ripped up or whatever. But from what I've been able to tell in his career, like the guy always plays. He's very rarely, if ever hurt. And he, and he plays a lot. I think because he's a little slower and a little less athletic, he doesn't look like he's in the greatest shape, but I think the guy keeps in really good shape. But from a mentality standpoint, does he fit what the Heat have built? I think a lot of things changed going to the finals and seeing what you have in Bam and Tyler Hero. You don't have to force the issue to get a star if you don't think he's the perfect fit for the system. Uh, And I think there's also the question of does bringing James Harden in and putting the ball in his hands as much as you would have to for a guy who makes that kind of money and who can score that the ball that way, does it make the Heat a better team to take the ball out of Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo's hands because their usage rates would go way down? Uh, because Harden is not, at this point in his career, he's just not an off-the-ball guy. I mean, we saw how it sort of vibed with Russ. Um, and, you know, he, he, he was good with Chris Paul. They played well together, but Chris Paul is you know, arguably the best point guard to ever play the game. So I'm not even sure from a basketball fit, will he defend the way the Heat defend? Will he? How will the Heat's offense be? one of the better three-point shooting teams in the regular season. Will that change because of how much he has the ball? I I don't know. I know every time, because the Heat have been positioning themselves for this 2021 run, and now that it's we don't know what's going on with Giannis, but people think that the Giannis thing is off the table. Everyone assumes, like, oh, the next star that's available to go get, if it's Brad Beal, but now Brad Beal has Russell Westbrook, so maybe they're going to play that thing out in Washington. Uh like it's always going to be who, whoever's available. That's who the, the heat are going to go get somebody. And Riley has shown in the past, his willingness to go get somebody. So am I saying that Harden will never happen? No, but I just, I'm saying I like James Harden. I just don't know if I like him for the heat and you know, situ, situations are everything in the NBA. There's only a few guys and it was, I mean, well, actually let's just say it like this. There's really only, at the moment, one guy who we know that if you put him on a team, that team is likely to go to the conference finals or the finals, and that's LeBron James. And even his first year in the Lakers, he couldn't take that team, but that team was bad. But Harden going to the Heat is not like a LeBron going to the Heat. Harden going to the Heat, I'm not sure that that guarantees you anything. Uh, so the question now becomes, are you willing to take that chance for a guy who is as talented as he is, but may not fit perfectly what you're doing? Are you willing to say, we love what we're doing, but we kind of now we're going to go get this guy who's super talented and is arguably still the best scorer in the NBA right now, but we're going to tweak things a little bit for him because he's that, he's that dude. I don't know if that works for the heat. So I mean, it'll be interesting to monitor. Be interesting to see how it plays out with Houston and with James Harden in general, because 
based on what I've seen over the last few days, I don't think that guy's playing in Houston. But the owner is, you know, the owner's sticking to his guns, so to speak, and Coach Silas out there doesn't seem to know what's going on with Harden, and that's not his fault. But, ah, man, I, I I would love to – look, if he comes to Miami, I'd love, I would love it. I'd love him, and I think if anybody can figure it out, it's Spo. I'm just – not totally sold. I'm not totally sold that a team games away from the finals wins two more game two games away away from winning an NBA championship are two games better because of that, especially moving on from pieces that may have be better for the future and were really good last year, Tyler Hero, etc. So we'll see. We'll keep you posted on that. Obviously, we who knows something might happen in the next week because the season's right around the corner. All right, last thing I want to do today is take a look at the Heat's schedule. Obviously, the schedule... The, so it's interesting the way the league's doing the schedule this year. They A couple things that stick out to me. First of all, they obviously... To, to keep things safe for themselves scheduling, they've only scheduled the first half of the season, which makes sense. So they've only scheduled up until March, which is March 4th for the Heat, which is All-Star break. Um... And then I guess they're going to figure out as they go, probably want to see how co- how everything happens with COVID. Are they going to have to, will games get canceled? Will they have to move games? So the, they're going to probably go and see how this plays out with all the restrictions and the protocols and all that and, and release the schedule maybe at the midway point between the start of the season and all-star break. I don't know. The other thing that sticks out to me that's awesome, that I I, I – I can't imagine them going back on this once players, uh, once this happens and players get to go through this. These these uh, these back to backs at home, or even these back to backs home at home or away, like playing two games in the same city back to back. This is long overdue. Like, this is one thing that baseball probably gets right. Send them to a city, let them stay there. Players are going to love this shit, whether it works in a team's favor or not. Like, is so like for example, so the Heat start the season December twenty third uh, at Orlando. I think that's a win. Uh, and then New Orleans at home home opener. I think that's a win. Uh, and then the Bucks come to town for back to back in Miami. Now. Regular season, look, also regular season with the East, we kind of know, like, Heat, Bucks, um, Sixers, Celt- well, Sixers, we don't know, but, we, I mean, we know they're making the playoffs. Celtics, et cetera. Brooklyn, if they're healthy, you know, they're all going to be playoff teams. So these regular season games don't mean a, a ton, ton. But I'll be interested, like, it's really hard in the NBA to beat, it would be really hard to beat a team like if you were going home away back to back or even two and three nights like playing Milwaukee at home and then traveling Milwaukee and then playing them later in Milwaukee. It's hard to beat a team traveling there and this and that. But I'll be interested to see like the adjustments because even in the playoffs, you don't play back to back. Even if you play two at home, uh, you, you know, you don't, you don't go two in a row at home and then go to and play two in a row. You, you play every other night. 
So it'll be interesting to see how teams respond playing back-to-back. I mean, obviously, they don't have to travel. They get to stay, even just staying in a hotel. It's nice, but, like, that's fascinating to me. December 29th, that's the first really fascinating thing on the Heat schedule, and it comes really quickly. December 29th and December 30th, the Bucks are in Miami for back-to-back games at American Airlines Arena. I don't know how that's going to turn out. That's why I, I can't really make picks on the schedule uh, because it's so hard to know how this this works. And obviously, we don't know. Like, you, you, if you were going to make picks, you'd have to make them assuming that everyone's healthy, but who knows? And who knows who's going to rest? And, you know, both... So the, the, the game on the 29th is on TNT. The game on the 30th is on Fox Sports on an NBA TV. The league has already said that if teams rest high-profile players on national TV, does NBA TV count as a national TV game? That they're going to fine teams for resting players on national TV games? Not that they would rest them against the Bucks, but on a back-to-back, a lot of times you would rest a player. Do people get rested? You know, in, in this situation, can the Heat rest Jimmy Butler if they need to? Now, Jimmy's not the type to rest, but can they do it? Obviously, just put him in the report and say he's injured. But I'm just saying, it's really interesting. Uh, then, you know, you got Mavs, Thunder, Celtics at home, Washington on the road, Boston, and then January again. Then you got at Philly. And then, so the Heat's first road back-to-back, but it's not a back-to-back. Their first road where they stay in the city is at Philly, January 12th and January 14th. So that'll be another really, that's an interesting point in the season for Miami. Uh, I, you know, we'll know a lot more about the Sixers by then. And I think the Sixers will be a really good regular season team this year because that's just what Doc does. He's a good regular season coach. But I think that's another point to look out for on the road. And then they come back home and play the Pistons at home twice, January 16th and 18th, and then go to Tampa and play the Raptors twice, January 20th and 22nd, and then they go to Brooklyn and play Brooklyn the next night on the 23rd, and then stay in Brooklyn and play on the 25th. What a wild schedule. By the way, if you can't tell by my reaction, this is my first time looking at the Miami Heat's schedule for this year. And it is why it, it it's fun to me that they get to, that these teams are playing each other back to back. That January twentieth in Tampa versus Toronto is w- such weird. And then they got to stay in t- t- Tampa for three days. Ugh. Uh, and then then you go from Tampa over. You're playing in Brooklyn the next night. Then staying in Brooklyn. Then coming home to play. De- then then you get a a West Coast home stint against the Nuggets, Clippers, and Kings. Wow. It, what a season. This is going to be this is gonna be a weird year. This is going to be a weird year. But it's going to be fun. Their first time playing a team and then come and then going, like playing away and then coming home and playing the same team, February 7th and 9th, they play the Knicks, but they play at the 7th and then at home at, my, at American Airlines Arena on the ninth. 
I'll tell you what, the people, I know the, the league has gone through so much to get these schedules together. And these people must be much smarter than me. Cause I don't understand how they figure out how to do this scheduling, but it, it's going to be super fun seeing these. not even series, but seeing how teams play, not having to travel and move around. It's going to be a lot less travel. Players are going to love it. I would, I would predict that there's a strong, strong chance that this, this type of scheduling will stick for a long time or for, for the long term in the NBA players having, I'll tell you this, having worked in the NBA and traveled with a team where you have to do back to backs and go for go do road trips where you go one city to the other, to the other, to the other, like on Feb, like February, like in February, if I'm the wizards, I don't know where, what else they're doing, but I love the fact that I don't have to go on a three game road trip to three different cities. I'm coming down to Miami for four nights to play the heat twice on February 3rd and February 5th. And you don't have to travel less flying, less sitting in a cramped plane. I mean, you're still in a hotel for four nights, but you're going to be in a hotel for four nights. Anyways, players are going to love this shit. And I think it's good. I think it's good. I think teams are going to be healthier physically because of it. And it obviously avoids potentially going from city to city and spreading COVID and whatever. So good on the NBA. I'll be fascinated to see how it plays out for the heat. I'm excited. We're six days away. Uh, That means that, you know what that means? That means that the next episode of this show, I will be recording after the heat's first preseason game. That'll be fun. And I know you'll be listening, and I know you're as pumped as I am. Remember, subscribe, rate, and review if you haven't already done it. It helps the show. It helps us potentially get in the charts, makes makes them real dough off this thing so we can bring you more guests, more content, more everything. Uh, I really appreciate everybody who's listened so far and excited to keep going and excited for this heat season. So I'll see you next week. And as always... Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.